Good morning, everybody. I'd, I'd like to welcome you this morning uh, to our monthly men's breakfast. And I um, just wanted to uh, kind of open up with a couple of couple of thoughts in terms of recognition. And uh, one of them, Henry slipped out. When did Henry go? Um, well, we'll save that. I'm not sure if everybody knows, but Henry, who is responsible for getting our breakfast going uh, in terms of the food, um, is actually is, is actually moving. Um, he's actually moving. Don't worry, breakfasts keep coming. Julie Scott, don't don't charge the podium yet. Julie 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 assured me that we're good. Um, from that, but I, I just want to. I think that's been a, a big part of our breakfast, and I really appreciate the initiative. Uh, that Henry showed in terms of stepping forward and uh, kind of the impact he's made because I think, you know, uh, I, it's made a big difference and uh, I, I really appreciate it. So it will not be Krispy Kremes next week, next month, it'll be that. Um, so uh, that's the first thing. Um, second thing is, um, can we give it up for Henry? Henry, we're just giving up here. Now, Henry, like probably many of you, bought the bait and switch and thought Roger Davis was actually going to be here today, so that's why he was he was here. But Roger will be here next next month. So sorry about the miscommunication on that. So uh, Henry said he'll come back one more time. Um, the the other thing I'd I'd like to take just a minute to recognize is, uh, you know, today is the uh, uh, November sixth, and next week we'll celebrate Veterans Day, and uh, during uh, during um, Mike's morning prayer, uh, opening prayer this morning. He talked about just how he gave thanks for the great nation that we have, um, and, uh, the freedoms that we have. And, um, I just think it's an appropriate time, uh, to maybe just quickly recognize the men, uh, that have served our country and have, uh, provided us with this freedom. So if you're a veteran, would you raise your hand, please? Wow. Wow. Give it up for him. We're just we're just so grateful for you. So thank you very much. Um, this morning uh, we have uh, Kelly Myrick is going to going to be with us, and um, just so happy to have Kelly with us. Kelly serving as the lay leader with Jenny this year. Um, so I just think it's really appropriate, um, uh, it's very appropriate to have him uh, with us. And um, I'm you know personally I'm looking forward to uh, hearing the message that. Uh, that he has to share, and, and uh, I know he's got a heart for missions, so that's it's been a common theme, right? So I'm sure there'll be be some of that in there, and um, and uh, I just uh, just so grateful for his willingness to serve in that leadership position this year, and I pray that uh, that his message today will be uh, one of the ways in which he'll impact us uh, to continue to grow in our relationship with Christ and our relationship with one another. And to move the, full, the church forward in terms of our service in the community for the glory of God. So, Kelly, thanks for leading us this morning. Yeah. I'm going to introduce myself in the, in the form that my Kenyan friends always use. So, Mike and Mike, you might recognize this. First off, when I say praise the Lord, the people say, Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. My name is Kelly Myrick. I have one wife, Jenny. <laughs> I have two children, Ginger and Edwin, and I love the Lord. 
And so I love that form because um, to them, as important as your name is and your family is, it's key to their identity and to my identity that I love the Lord and He's my Savior, right? So what a great way to introduce yourself. I really would like to make that more of a habit. And I also just like that before they can say anything, before they even start their message or they talk to a group, they want to get that out, right? They want to get that profession that I love the Lord. So I'm so glad to be here with you all this morning. Thank you, Tim. I'm just so impressed that the programs Tim has arranged. Uh, I've been here some and I've followed on the recordings and uh, what an amazing A-list of speakers that he's had, you know. And so I, I think about all the speakers, uh, you know, Bob and and Alan and uh, Darren and Mike Peachy and Jay Litton and I mean, just an incredible A-list of speakers. And so but I kind of thought to myself, I said, you know, eventually he's going to run out of A-list speakers. <laughs> <laughs> so, so here I am, <laughs> glad to kick off the B-list <laughs> and uh, just to share some stories with you today. Uh, Tim kind of said, you know, talk about whatever you want and share your life story. And so I kind of thought about that and thought, you don't really have that interesting a life story. And I wouldn't really presume to, to bore you with my life. Uh, but I do have some stories that I hope will be encouraging to you on the topic I'm going to talk about today. So I'm going to share some stories. And I'll just share one story from my childhood. Um, when I was about 12 or 13, I had a serious drug problem. My mama uh, drugged me to choir, she drugged me to youth group, and she drugged me to church every time the church doors were open. She was a fourth-generation Baptist, and uh, we were we were in church, and she was raising me right. And, I, you know, I liked it. Honestly, I liked church, and I liked reading the Bible. And um, when I was about 12, I remember being in the uh, chapel at my church for a revival. And it was Friday night, and there was a revival preacher, and... Um, I don't remember asking the Lord to come to me, but he came, and he came down to my pew, and he came upon me, and the Holy Spirit, you know, filled me. And so it was a beautiful experience, but uh, more than that, it was just such a blessing my whole life, because from that point forward, I never doubted, right? I never had a reason to doubt, because I had a real experience with Jesus. And so um, there's... Uh, an old uh, hymn that says, I know he lives because he lives within my heart, right? So that was just such a blessing to me that uh, over the course of my life, I have drifted apart in my relationship, and I haven't always uh, been that faithful, and I haven't always been that focused on uh, serving him, but I've never doubted, I've never lost that faith because of that day that he came to visit me. So, <clears throat> so today I want to talk about finding your purpose. So, uh, you know, as I think about kind of all of us as a progression of disciples, you know, it begins with you accept Christ and you understand God's love for you and you begin to study the scripture and you understand how you have a relationship with God, prayer. But then at some point you start to realize that, you know, God's not just a passive God sitting up there watching over us and seeing what's going on, that he's actually active in the world and he's on a mission, right? He's on the same mission he sent Jesus here to earth for, which is he's seeking and saving the lost. So then you start to understand, okay, God's actually doing something. He's trying to accomplish something. And then he wants me to partner with him in that, right? He calls us to be his partner. And then that's that's motivating enough, right, that God, he doesn't need me, but he wants me to partner with him in what he's doing. 
And then for me, the, the final motivation is it's not just to do anything, that he actually has a specific purpose for my life and for your life. Right from the very beginning, he had a plan of what he wanted you to do and how he needed your help in, in this mission. So I just know I don't want to get to heaven and him to say, well, I had a plan from the beginning and a purpose for you. Why didn't you ever find it? Um, I think particularly for us, all the blessings that we've been given, right? Living in an affluent community like Roswell, having good jobs. You know, everybody in here is smart, uh, has good health, you know, um, has all these blessings that God's bestowed on us. And he didn't do it just because he loves us and because certainly because we deserve it, right? He did it because it was a part of his plan and he expected us to use those blessings. So it reminds me of the, the parable of the talents. In the Bible, remember the manager gives each of his three employees a bag of money and um, two of the employees go off and use the money for productive purposes. And then when the manager comes back, you know, he is so angry with third manager who thought he was doing the right thing by burying the money in the ground and giving it back, right? I, was, I kept it. I, I kept it for safekeeping. And the manager said, I needed you to use it. I gave it to you for a purpose so that you could multiply it. So that's what I want to make sure that when I get to heaven, you know, God doesn't say, what did you do with all of those blessings that I gave you? I expected you to use them for a purpose. So I wanted to share some stories today. Um, and uh, so, you know, I, I've kind of struggled really sort of finding my purpose. So I, I, I finally got it. I need to search for my purpose. But what what is it I'm supposed to do? I, I can't imagine what special talents you know, I have that really I need to be using. But but I began searching. And so as I did that, I, I really kind of fashioned on to one tenet that I believe strongly in, which is if you're sitting and waiting for God to tell you your purpose and reveal it to you, you're going to be waiting. That God reveals his purpose to you and your activity. And it's the searching and the moving that inspires God to, to guide you towards that purpose, right? So it, uh, one time I, was, I used to be a, a road runner, ran races a lot, and uh, I ran a 10-mile race in um, uh, Oak Mountain State Park in Alabama. And this will be hard to imagine, but I got kind of in the middle of the race, and I got lost. <laughs> and uh, it was just an odd thing. There was no one in front of me and behind me, and I came to a fork in the road. And, you know, it's the story of my life. I, I took the wrong fork. And so, uh, you know, pretty quickly I realized uh, I was off course and lost, and there was no one around. And eventually I got back on course and found the finish line. I think it was turned out for me more than a 10-mile race. But, uh, <laughs> but that's, a, I think, a good analogy for me. You know, if, if, uh, if, if you're running the race of life and you sit down at the start line, God's not going to come grab you and drag you down the course to the finish line. Even during, the, during the, the race, if you sit down and quit, you know, God's not going to come pick you up and drag you across the finish line. But if you're running and if you're focused on finding the finish line, even when you get off path and get lost, God, it's easy for God to nudge you back because you're still moving. You're still, you know, progressing towards what you hope that he has for you. So that's a tenet I've always held on is that if I'm going to find my purpose, I've got to go. I've got to get out and find that purpose. And that through that process, he's going to guide me back towards what he wants me to do. He may even close doors, right? But then I have to see that closed door is just, okay, now I'm supposed to turn around and go in a different direction. So um, I want to share a story that, that where that really um, 
was demonstrated to me, which was uh, an organizing a mission trip to Mongolia. And so it's probably been about 10 years now. At the time, there was a group of men um, that were really interested in microenterprise development. You guys know what that is, just using business, you know, as a way to, to advance missions. And it was a pretty big group, and we'd kind of met, and we had taken some training, and and I was really interested, and uh, but but nothing was really happening. No, no, there was no projects, and no trips going on, and so I I felt like God was starting to call me to say, you know what, you these people are out there, and this is really important. You need to take some leadership and start to make something happen. So I met with a group, actually several groups, kind of interviewed, and the one I liked was in Norcross, and they had a whole program really long history of success and a process and so I sat down and met with them and they're like oh what providence that you're here because we really need a church uh, team to go to Mongolia in six weeks we've had the first team's already been and the third team's scheduled and we need a team to go right now to do the second phase of this process so I said okay well sounds great I'm kind of ready and I think there's a whole bunch of people at the church that are ready what I need to do said, we only need five people. We're going to send a leader, a trained leader, with you. So all you have to do is get the five people and go, and we'll handle everything. But you got to get them in two weeks because you know it takes four weeks to do the on-ground training and get your visa and make the airline reservations and everything. Uh, two weeks. Okay, well, I'll get busy. So I uh, had my little black book and sat down and wrote down, literally, I think I had something like 52 names of people that had already told me they were interested, you know, let me know if you get something started. First name on the list was Rick Page. And Rick not only told me he's interested, he said, I'll go wherever you uh, get it going. I'm, I'm ready. I've got training. You just tell me where we're going. So I, uh, I called Rick up, and we actually went out to have lunch. and said, Rick, I got it. I'm ready. We're going to Mongolia. And this group has really got their stuff together and we the whole process. And Are you in? And he said, Mongolia? Are you, are you kidding me? He's like, there's no way I'm going to Mongolia. He's like, that's way too far and expensive, and aren't there needy people between here and Mongolia? And I'm like, I know, but Rick, I'm like, I'm pretty sure God's telling us that, you know, all these doors have been opened and that our church is supposed to go do this. Forget it. Not going. So that kind of set me back because I thought, wow, Rick had already committed. And so maybe this will be harder than I thought. So so I started dialing for dollars and calling the 50 people. And mostly the conversations went like, you know, hey, this is Kelly Merrick. I'm, I'm organizing this mission trip to Mongolia. Uh, you have any interest? Hello? Hello? <laughs> uh, they weren't quite that rude. But, but I went through the 50 people and... Nobody, actually, I take it back. Danny McDonald said, okay, I'll go. But Danny's kind of like that, you know, so. So I went through 50 people and I had one person. And so that really, uh, sort of, I was dejected. And I, uh, and that took me two weeks. And so my deadline had come. And so I called the group that Friday and I said, I'm sorry, but I, I haven't been able to find but one person. So I've got me and him, you know, two of the five. I don't know what to do. I've kind of run out of names, and I don't think I can pull this off. And uh, they said, well, we really, really need you. I mean, like I said, you know, this is a critical cog in the process. Can you just take a few more days and and see if you can can make it happen? And I said, okay. So I kind of thought about it that weekend. And on that Monday I was at work, um, I was walking to the MARTA station after work. And, I I mean, I had run out of names. I didn't know what to do. So it, it kind of dawned on me. It's like, well, I was trying to make all this happen, and I was so busy calling people and trying to use my charms and recruiting people, and I hadn't even really prayed much about it. 
And so I just started to pray and I said, God, you know, I'm sorry, first off. I kind of, and is it, isn't this, this is at least my style, maybe it's American, but isn't that always the style where like, hey God, you know, I'm good, I got this. When I need you, you know, I'll call you, but I'm, I'm, right now I'm pretty sure I can pull it off without you, you know. And so, but at that point I realized I couldn't. So I said, you know, God, I, I just can't make this happen. And I, and it was so clear to me that you expected the church to go on this trip. And so I haven't given up faith that this was our purpose and that we were supposed to be there, but I can't do it. And so I just quit. I give it all to you. If we're supposed to go, I'm just going to trust that you're going to hand people to me that could go on this trip. And, oh, by the way, Lord, if you weren't listening, I, I need them by tomorrow. <laughs> and so I had kind of a relief, you know, that just, oh, I just, you know, it's no longer my burden. And I had kind of a sense of anticipation, too. You know, maybe he really will just a miracle, you know, and three people will come forward. I'm not sure how that's going to happen. So, so I walked in the MARTA station and I sat down and I, I had my little black book and just kind of looking at some notes of stuff about the Mongolia trip. And this guy walks up to me and, uh, and he's like, Hey, and I, I looked at him and I didn't know him. I, I kind of recognized him. I didn't know his name. And I was like, Oh, hey, um, I'm like, I forgot your name. And he, he told me his name and, and he said, Oh, we met at a party. Uh, a couple of months back, and it was a church party, but he's not a church member, so I, just, I was like, oh, okay, we get to see you. you. work here in Midtown? Yeah. And so um, he, I had the little book open, so he said, what are you doing? And I thought it was kind of an invasive question, you know, because I didn't even know his name, and I was like, huh. So I said, well, actually, I was trying to arrange this mission trip to Mongolia, and I can't find anybody to go. And I actually didn't even get that whole sentence out, and he just blurted out, you should call Julia Thompson. And I was like, I mean, it was so odd because I hadn't even hardly said I'm going to Mongolia. And he's like, you should call Julia Thompson. And I was like, okay. I hadn't thought about Julia. I mean, I know who she is, but I was just like, okay. And so anyway, our awkward conversation ends and he goes and sits off somewhere else. And I get on the train and I call my wife and I'm like, uh, you got Julia Thompson's number? I think I'm supposed to call her. And uh, so I got her number and I called Julia and uh, I said, Julia, <clears throat> Organizing this mission trip to Mongolia, brace for the normal response, right? Um, I'm organizing this mission trip to Mongolia. And I just paused and she said, I'll go. I hadn't even asked her to go, you know? She just said, I'm in. And I was like, what? And she's like, yeah, that didn't scare me. I love traveling. It sounds like an adventure. And, uh, and I'm interested in microenterprise, so count me in. I'm like, well, we're going in three weeks. Is that okay? She's like, yeah. So I hung up. I'm just like, wow. How about that? And uh, so I, I get home that night, and I'm taking perspectives. And so we had Monday night class, and so walking into perspectives, still kind of marveling at how this guy just blurted this name out. It didn't even, you know. So I get to perspectives, and four class starts. And oh, and, and perspectives that you got a lot of. I know a lot of people in here are graduates, right? So you know what it is. It's about teaching people to be missionaries, you know, and, and about missions. So three weeks earlier, I had announced to this class of potential missionaries studying missions, you know, I have an opportunity. I really need people to go to Mongolia. And they just looked at me like I had horns. <laughs> no one came up to me afterwards and said, hey, tell me more about it. You know, so I just kind of just left that. So I get to class and I sit down and these two ladies walk up to me. One of them's a Bon Chestant who goes to church here. And one of them doesn't go to church here. And they said, hey, we think we're supposed to go on that trip. And I was like, wow, really? You didn't tell me anything. You've been thinking about this? And she's like, yeah, we've really been thinking and praying about it. And God's asked, told us that we need to go on the trip. So from the time I made that prayer to walk to the Marta station to I sat down in perspectives, you know, it's been about three hours. 
and God just handed these people to me. So, so wow, then I really felt so good, right? Because now, I should have done that from the beginning, but now I'm sure our purpose was to go to Mongolia, right? And I even felt better about it because the team had been ordained, right? They had been handpicked by God. It wasn't people that I just talked into going or that I, you know, happened to be on the first part of the list and not the last. And so they, it was God picked our team and sent us to Mongolia. So it's just one of those few times that I really felt like I've stumbled across my purpose, right? I knew at that moment that's what I was supposed to do. That's what we were supposed to do together. And it was just a beautiful thing. And so I've continued to strive to find those chances where, you know, my actions intersect with God's will. And I feel like, you know, at this moment, I know I'm exactly fulfilling my purpose. Uh, so it was a, it was an awesome trip. I could, if I had a couple hours, I could tell you some real stories. It was quite an adventure. Mongolia is just like the Wild West, you know, and, and it's like a completely different planet. But we had a great time. We loved the missionary that we worked with. Um, and it was just so clear God was getting the glory because it, we weren't, none of us were there because of anything I did or because of our church. It was just because, you know, we answered his call at the time that he needed us to. Um, just kind of an aside, I'll say uh, the missionary that was there, um, you know, Mongolia, it's a, just a harsh place, right? And it's it's um, no money. You know, most people are just really surviving to find food. The the winters, uh, the average temperature in the winter months is 60 below. Like, that's not wind chill. That's just, you know, <laughs> 60 below zero. And so when we got there, we were so impressed with the missionary. And he was a he was a uh, ex-Marine from Michigan. And uh, taking his whole family there, five kids, young kids. And uh, so we were just so impressed. And we kept telling him, oh, this, this is amazing what you're doing. You know, what a sacrifice for you to come and to to bring your family and raise your family in Mongolia. And he kept kind of blowing that off, like, no, no, that's not right. It's, you know, we love it. But we, I think we kind of kept sort of this missionary worship, you know, like, oh, but it's so awesome. We just can't imagine the sacrifice. You know, Americans are just so self-centered. And after a while, he just said, you know basically like you don't get it there's no element of sacrifice here this is a privilege to be on the front line in the missions you know serving and uh we love it we just, we're so thankful that god called us to be you know serving on the edges and doing something exciting and bringing the gospel to people who've never heard the gospel you know mongolia was completely closed that christ the word christ is just you know 98 percent of the people have never ever heard that much less an understanding of Christian, you know, belief. So he's just like, there's, that's, what you're saying is just completely wrong, right? There's no element of sacrifice. This is a privilege. And so that was really impactful to me because one, the more I'm around missionaries, I realize they're, they're all like that, right? No one goes to the mission fields because they like want to serve or they, you know, I, I just, I've been given so much. I want to give back. They go because they love it. They can't imagine doing anything else. And they're so glad God, God called them to do something extraordinary like that. Um, so, you know, I, I kind of feel the same way. Uh, you know, that, that, that just the, the chance to do something like that is such, is such a gift from God. And it's all about his, his glory and his purpose and not, you know, about us. And, uh, so, the other thing is, you know, people tend to say, say the same things to those of us who are missionaries, right? I mean, Chris, people say, oh, that's so great you went to Peru. You know, you, you're, you are so great. That's just amazing that you do stuff like that. And, and we always 
Doesn't that make you uncomfortable? Because you're like, no, no. It's kind of like uh, when I take food to um, a neighbor who needs it, you know, like they're pregnant or their parents are sick or something, and we take food, and I always arrive at the door, and they're like, oh, thank you so much. This is so sweet. You're so kind. And I always think, no, you know, Jenny thought of this, and Jenny cooked it, and Jenny put it in a package, and she handed it to me, and I just drove it over here, right? So I, I get that you're appreciative, but it's not me, right? It's You need to look to the source. And so that's what, when you go on these mission trips and people just say, oh, thank you, we're so glad that you're here. Well, that's great, but it's not me, right? God is the one who's providing for you. And it's his money that sent us here, and it's, you know, his love that propelled us here. And so we understand what you say when you're appreciative, but the real appreciation needs to point to the source. So uh, I thought when we went to Mongolia, it was a great experience, great program, and they needed church partners, this organization. So I kind of assumed when I got back that Roswell was going to be a partner, church partner with this organization, and that Mongolia was going to be our our program. And uh, when I got back, they said, well, um, that might have worked out, but actually another church has kind of already requested it and positioned themselves, and so we're going to go with this other church. And I was like, oh, well, I kind of, you know, that wasn't what I was expecting, and well, what do, you, what do you have next that we could do? And they said, well, I mean, it's a long story, but, you know, not really sure. Why don't y'all just kind of chill out and we'll see. And I was just like, I wasn't chilling out, wasn't, you know, in in my agenda. I was looking for what's that program. And so, I mean, God just closed the door on us in Mongolia. And I was kind of sort of taken aback, like, well, that's just not what I thought where this was going. And so I spent a, a little time just kind of like, well, what was that about? I mean, I was sure he sent us, and I just assumed it was to be, you know, the first step in a lot, but it, but he closed the door. And so as I sat there kind of wondering what to do, at the time it was our first GIC, and uh, Glory Outreach Assembly had been chosen as a strategic partner, and we sat down with the Bishop David Thagana, and we said, well, Bishop, we want to focus on a few things. I mean, I know you have all these needs, but we don't want to get lost in trying to, you know, solve world hunger. So what are the three things that are most important to you that we could do? And the first thing he said is microenterprise development. And I was like, really? Well, great. We have some experience here. And, you know, it just dawned on me, oh, maybe that was the whole plan, was I was to go to Mongolia to get some experience. God closed the door to make sure we didn't go too far down the path because what he really had in mind for us was to go to Kenya. And so we embarked on a three-year program of microenterprise development with Kenya, and uh, it was amazing. A lot of y'all in the room, you know, have been a part of that. And uh, we funded 75 loans, put 75 people in business. And I'm dying to kind of go back and, and do an, a, an assessment about where each of those students are. But my anecdotal understanding is almost all of those people are still in business. So we started them. We gave them, just in some cases, a few hundred dollars to get started on their business. And they just took off running. And that, not only has that been a way to lift up individuals, but it's a way to strengthen their churches. And many of the businesses that we started were for pastors. And so the pastors have a way to make a living so that they can be more effective pastors. And it was such, such a great program. So I wanted to just share, um, I'm going to tell my clicker. I wanted to share one story from that. And, uh, so this was my first class that, um, 
I went to teach, and so we, we organized it that three, three students or three people who had an idea about starting a small business would work with a, a coach from, from RUMC. And so these were my three students, George, Mary, and Alice. And so I wanted to tell you about Alice on the end. So when I met Alice, um, we sat down, and so I just said, start, let's start sharing. I'll tell you about myself, and you tell me about you. And so Alice was very sort of quiet and, and demure, and she just said, well, I have uh, I had, I had, I think she said, I had, I had a husband, and I have a small baby. And I said, oh, you, you had a husband? And she said, yes, um, his name was George. And he was pastor, and he set off, was invited to preach at a revival, and the revival was three-day walk across the bush, and he never made it. And so I realized I had actually been praying for George. This had just happened within about six months, I think. And I'm sure that's not unusual, a three-day walk across the bush. I mean, you can get attacked by wild animals or, you know, no telling what what could have happened. So, so anyway, I realized I already had a connection with this lady because I had been praying for George. And... Uh, and then I realized, that, so she's a widow with a small baby, and here she is anxious to be able to smart, start a business because she's not sure how she can feed the baby, how she can support herself. She said, uh, you know, as school starts, you know, I won't be able to afford school fees. I mean, I have nothing. And so we went through the program. She was super smart, and she wanted to start a cereal shop. And so at the end, we built her business case. Good idea. Funded her loan, gave her $1,200, and she started the cereal shop. I'm sorry, cereal shop is a is a kiosk. That's normally how the businesses are. So it's just a booth, and uh, cereals are dried beans and flour and cooking stuff, right? So, uh, and that's that's a basic need that most villages have is to have a cereal shop. So here's Alice's cereal shop. So this was maybe two years later. I went back, and so I said, I want to go visit Alice and see how she's doing. And uh, a friend of mine took me out there. So this is Alice's cereal shop. And uh, if, uh, if you see over right here, this, this is the little window where customers walk up. And so I went inside, and it was the greatest blessing to sit in there for a couple of hours and just watch her do business. So the first thing you realize is almost all of her customers are small children. And so they'd come running up, and they'd say, I need a quarter of, they don't use pounds, but whatever it was. I need a gram of, you know, flour. And so she, it's all in bags on the floor, and she'd scoop out flour and put it in a Ziploc bag, and, and she'd weigh it on a manual thing, you know. So I started thinking, oh, be honest with weights and measures. You know, here she is. Every transaction is weighed out. You know, she puts the stones on one side. And, and then with some customers, she'd, she'd kind of get it just right, and then she'd give a little extra. Not every customer, but so I was trying to figure out who gets the extra. You know. but, uh, but then I started realizing, well, the kids – you know, the way it works in Kenya is, you know, they don't ever stock up. They go to the market, get what they need for the meal that day, and cook it. They don't have refrigeration, and they just, it's not a cultural thing, too, to, like, buy a bag of flour. They buy it as they need it. So the kids were coming because the mom's at home going, ah, oh, I need a, you know, a cup of flour. <laughs> so go get me a cup of flour. So he'd run down the village and with his 20, you know, bob, which is like a quarter, 20 shillings. And go get the flowers. So that was just so cool to watch this kind of business. You know, that's not, I'm a business person, but not, not usually the kind of business I get to watch and interact with. And so, man, just a steady stream of customers. So she's just doing great. And so we're talking to Alice. How's your business doing? It's doing great. Can't believe it. I just, I said, what are your hours? Well, it it was, I think, six in the morning to 10 at night. I'm like, every day? She said, well, I don't open on Sunday till noon, but yeah. 
every day. So I'm like, you, and it's always you. You sit in here for whatever that is, you know, 14 hours a day. She said, well, I have a manager, so I, I do, you know, sometimes I need to go home. And so I have a helper. And at home I have a, a house girl who looks after the child. And so she's, you could just see the pride on her face that, you know what, not only do I have a great business and I'm now supporting myself, but I have employees, right? I have a house girl and I have a helper. And, uh, and so it was just really cool. So at the end, I just, you know, I said, Alice, it's just a ple- pleasure to see how well you're doing and thanks for letting me visit. And so I crawl out of the, the booth and you really literally have to crawl. I think this is the door on the left. You know, it's about like this tall. So, you know, crawl out on the ground to get out of the booth and. Start to walk down the, the road away from her, her, um, hut, her booth. And so to understand this part of the story, you have to understand a little bit about Kenyan culture. Um, Kenyan women, uh, it's, it's, it's the norm to not look men in the eye. I mean, sometimes they'll do, in Americans they try to, but you know, the normal is women just kind of divert their eyes. And they would never touch a man, like, even the, you know, husband, like Silas and Rahab, I always laugh because they would never hold hands, you know, in public. They would never touch each other. That's, Kenyans are just very formal like that, right? So as I'm walking away from her hut, uh, she comes out after me and she runs up and she gets right in front of me and she grabs me by the shoulder and she looks me right in the eye and she says, I have to tell you that you need to tell the people of Roswell Methodist that they have changed my life. And it, it still um, just strikes me through the heart when she said that because I know that she meant it literally, right? I mean, we we say it like, oh, yeah, that, that TV show changed my life or whatever. But <laughs> she, I mean, she literally meant we have changed her life, which we had. She went from a widow not knowing how she's going to feed her child the next day to having a business and being a respected part of the community and having employees and and the thing I love about working in cultures like Kenya is we did that for $1,200. I mean, $1,200 will help somebody in Roswell, but it's pretty hard to change a life with $1,200 in Roswell. But in Kenya, the leverage is such that we you can literally change somebody's life forever, you know, with that kind of an investment in that person. So it was just um, a neat experience to uh, to see that and to know that my church you know, was an integral part of that. But again, she was telling me and she was telling Roswell Church how much she appreciated us, but it was God that did it, right? I was just there. He just gave me a front seat to watch his provision for his children. And and it is such a privilege. And so I don't take any uh, pride that, you know, look at what I did, look at all the good my church is doing, but I take pride that my church is in the game, right? And that God's doing it. He's out there. He would have done it without us. But I'm glad that we were there because we get to see it and we get to rejoice in it and we get to have relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ that we, you know, are partnering with. And that is just such a joy and privilege. So those are my stories for today. Uh, I think, you know, just in closing, closing, you guys are all uh, looking for your purpose. And I know many of you find your purpose regularly. And you you uh, take joy in that. And uh, I just would say, continue searching. And don't get discouraged when uh, you think there's a closed door or you're not sure what's ahead. You know, God rarely reveals to us what's ahead. He just likes it when we step out on faith and we take those little steps and give him the chance to guide us back to, to uh, our purpose. 
I was talking to Jay earlier. I said, Jay, is that is that kind of how it worked for you when you when doing job ministry? Were you just like, I mean, I'm sure, you know, when you first day arrive, you don't think, oh, you know what? This is the first day of a 15-year ministry, and we're going to impact thousands of people in the community, right? God didn't reveal that. And Jay actually said, well, actually, it was it – was, uh, he was even different than that because when I started job networking ministry, you know, I wasn't even a Christian, right? So here's God putting him in the place where he needs him to be before he's even, you know, had his eyes open to to the gospel and the good news. Uh, so you you just you you can't sit and wait for the whole plan to be unveiled in front of you. Uh, you just have to get up off the pew and out of the couch seat and start doing something. And every day looking for God's guidance towards what your purpose is. Because he has the grand plan for each one of you. And he expects you and needs you to do something really important. And so it is such a blessing when you can finally stumble across that thing where God's will and your actions connect and you realize I'm doing exactly what God wanted me to do this time. So I, uh, I'll i finish with, let me close with prayer, and then uh, I'm going to pose a question that y'all can discuss at your table. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we just give you thanks today for this chance to gather as men, and uh, we do give thanks for this church. We love this church. Uh, we love the chance that we have to be together, to fellowship and social and have relationships, but more than anything, we know that the church is a mechanism for us to partner together to do your will. And so we give thanks for that uh, brotherhood that we can work together and that we can lift each other up and encourage each other and follow uh, your path and try to discover your purpose for this church and your purpose for each of us individually. So we just give thanks for the time to be together this morning to think about that and to uh, to tell stories about it. And uh, we commit ourselves this week to just praying about that to make sure that we're always looking to you to, um, to see what it is that you have in store for us. And we're so thankful that you count about us and that you uh, allow us to be a part of the wonderful things that you're doing around the world to seek, save the lost, and to draw your children unto you. So for all this, we give uh, thanks in your name and praise. Amen. Amen. So my question uh, um, for you, for your table is, you know, what are you doing to, uh, to work to discover your purpose? Uh, or what have you done in the past that worked? Um, is it like I talked about? I have no idea. I just, I'm just going to get out and do stuff and see where it leads. Or is it more thoughtful, prayer, Bible study? Um, you know, my, mine is trial and error, right? I'm just, just going to keep trying and eventually I realize some of the things I did were exactly what I was supposed to do. So, so talk about that as a table. Just what, what is it that you can do to continue to strive to understand what your individual purpose is? Excuse me. We're coming up on eight, so I just want to. Um, there's a lot of great discussion. We're having a great discussion over here, so by no means does it need to end. But I just want to close it out so that if you do want to dismiss, you you can. Um, one of the things. Can we give it up for Kelly again? That was just amazing. One of the things I heard from Kelly was uh, the message, if you're searching for your purpose, get active. Get active. And if you're looking to get active, we got a lot of opportunities here. <laughs> you like that? I was smooth. Not so smooth. Um, so um, if you're looking to get active, we do have some opportunities. And, and um, 
you know, there's a, there, uh, there's, there's a wide array of opportunities there, and I would encourage you to do that. Uh, the second thing, too, is sometimes, and I'll tell you one of the things that, that has continued to happen, is um, people are interested in getting active, and they have things that God has laid on their hearts that are not on this sheet. And I, I get a, I get some notes, and I know we got a breakfast, I mean a lunch coming up, and and uh, some things like that. But if you have something that's on your heart, and you're willing to take the next step, okay, not you want me to take the next step, or you want us to take the next step, but you want to lead on that, if God's laid something on your heart that you think the church needs to do, and you're the person that's willing to lead that, then you have support here. You have support in the men's vision team. You have support with Mike Phelps and his his team, and um, and uh, you have support. But but we want you to do that if you're willing to lead. And um, so 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 please know if you're you know. And there's I think there's a lot of men that are. I mean, look at all the veterans that raise a hand. I mean, this church has a heart for service and uh, heart for leading. And and um, so I just want to let you know that that's available. Uh, the second thing too is is um, uh, I do. We do have a few more A-listers. I hope Kelly didn't offend Eric and Pat and Mark. Not here yet. You officially are the B-list now. So, being the associate minister is a rough, rough deal. So. I'm in February. What does that say about me? It's cold and bleak. We need some sunshine. So, um, so we do have some other A-listers coming up. And, and the other thing I want to take that opportunity to share is, um, you know, the A-lister is God. And, you know, we heard about Kelly today, but we really heard about what God is doing in Kelly's life. And one of the reasons, you know, we talk about this, you know, I, we're kind of in a in a spot where we've, you know, this this thing's really grown. And so God's doing something special here with this breakfast. And people are talking about what's next and where we go. And, and you know, one of the things I've said is, you know, I really like where we're at. Because I really like how there's some things that we're going to do different, and you'll hear more about that next year. But, but what this, one of the core tenets of this is that we provide an opportunity for men of this church to talk about what God's doing in their life through this church. And I don't want to go away from that totally. And I've asked some men, hey, I'd like to cut you to come up and talk. I say, well, you know, I'm sorry, but, you know, I'm not Rusty. I'm not Bob. I'm not Mike. You know, I, that's not me. I'm not asking you to talk about you. I'm asking you to talk about God. And, you know, I've done it, so I put in the work and I put in the effort, and I know uh, all the thought that goes into something like this today. You don't have to be, your spiritual gift does not have to be speaking. Your spiritual gift does not have to be teaching. To stand up, praise God, and tell the world what he's doing in your life through this church. So, as we continue to fill out the list, and by the way, that's not a desperate plea because we have, we probably, we've got a, <laughs> but because we do have, we do have a runway, um, uh, of folks that, that for, for the next year. Um, but I, I do, I do want you to know that, uh, I, you know, if you're sitting in this room, your time's gonna come. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we expect you to answer the call, so. <laughs> Make sense? By the way, it's a great growth experience. So, all right. Enough said on that. You can give me a hard time later if you want. Um, but, again, I just want to thank you for being here today. I want to thank God for what he's doing in this church. I want to thank him for what he's doing with this men's group. I want to thank him for what he's done in Kelly's life and thank him for Kelly's service. And, uh, and uh, let's close us in prayer.
Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. And Lord, thank you so much that you give us the privilege of being part of your mission. Lord, help us to get active. And as we get active, let us look to you for direction, guidance, and support in all that we need. And Lord, as we go forth, helping you to accomplish your mission, may all the glory and honor be given to you. Lord, I, I want to once again thank you for the veterans in this room. And I want to thank you for uh, our great country. We are so blessed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, everybody.